Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Lord, today, um, I, this is a message that I've literally been working on in my mind for weeks. Uh, something kind of s- struck me, and um, I just, yesterday, I had a little time in between getting the house prepared for all of our guests, and we were finished up early, and I told my wife, I said, I'm going to do something I never get to do, and that's slip into my office on a Saturday and sit down and try to prepare for Sunday, and I, I had about an hour, hour and 15 minutes to just kind of delve into this message, and man, I cannot wait till I don't have to work on Saturdays anymore for FedEx, and I can have that time. That was a precious time uh, with me and the Lord yesterday on that Saturday, and I just feel like he has something to say to us that as we go out of one year and we enter into another one, this is our last Sunday service. Next Sunday, it'll be the, the first Sunday of the, of the new year, but I feel uh, a direction, and if you'd stand with me and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 14, we're going to read 10 verses here, 22 through 32. <clears throat> The Bible says in Matthew 14 and 22, and straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So understand, Jesus is not on the ship with them. He sends them ahead. I'll catch up with you guys. Let me take care of business here. You guys go on ahead. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray and When the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. He identifies himself to them. It's not just an apparition. It's not Davy Jones from his locker come up to, it's not the Kraken. It is I. Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. He said, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, where didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. I've titled this message today something that probably you will think strange, but I hope to, with the help of the Lord, by the end of the message, help you understand why I gave this message this title. I've simply titled it, The Unnecessary Miracle. The Unnecessary Miracle. Would you lay your Bibles down? I'm going to ask you to help me pray here, that the Lord would have his way over the next 25 to 35 minutes as I try my best to deliver the message that I feel he wants you to receive today. Would you help me pray? Lift your voices with me right now. Precious Savior, God, your word is so powerful and true. 
God, and I know that today we live in treacherous times, Lord. We live in a a time where there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of questions. But God, your word is not one of those things that we need to be shaken over. Your word is the only foundation upon which we can stand that will never shake. God, and we ask you today to let that word settle into our hearts and minds as we receive it of you today in the name of Jesus. And would you say amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing so long. You may be seated. I don't know anybody that doesn't like a good miracle. I mean, who was wouldn't, right? Uh, I even like the stories of the biblical accounts where Jesus or someone else, maybe one of his disciples or maybe one of the old prophets, uh, all of a sudden steps onto the scene and a miracle takes place. I, I love the story. One of my favorites is the story of blind Bartimaeus. Uh, uh, it's always excited me to read about that account, and I, and I put myself in, in his place and think, you know, uh, how amazing that would be to have sight restored if you had been without it for any length of time at all. And I'm sure that this morning, if I were to go around and ask and allow you an opportunity to raise your hand and give a, a, a testimony or an account of what your favorite miracle is that most everybody here would more than likely be able to raise their hand and say, oh, I have a favorite. Oh, I like this one. Or I relate to this one very well. This one speaks to me. We all have our favorite accounts of miracles that we read about in God's Word. It might be uh, Lazarus when Jesus hollers out, Lazarus, come forth. I mean, the power that is in those few simple words when everybody says, Lord, he's been dead for more than just a day or two. He's been dead so long that by now you can smell him. You can smell the the decomposition of the body. This is not good. This is not proper. And yet Jesus stands at the door and he tells them to roll that stone away and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And every time I hear somebody preach about that miracle, it boosts my faith because I also know that God's word tells us that he is no respecter of persons. And so I understand that if he did it for one, he can do it for another. I love the stories that we read, that we hear preached upon. I like the story uh, about when the centurion soldier comes to Jesus and he's got somebody that he needs Jesus to heal. And so he comes to Jesus and Jesus says, yes, I'll go with you. And he stops Jesus and he says, now, wait a second. He said, I'm a man that uh, understands authority. I'm a man that, that has authority and I'm a man that is subject to authority. And Uh, He was basically telling Jesus, I understand that you are a man of authority and you don't necessarily have to be in a place to make something happen in that place. All you have to do is say the word. And Jesus simply said the word and the Bible says from that moment forward, the the, the problem was solved. The miracle took place. And I'm uh, thrilled by that story and that account. Uh, There's such a great lesson in that about understanding the power of the master that we serve. So I'm sure that you're curious a little bit of 
the title of this message this morning. How could anyone, I've never heard any other preacher title a message with this title. I've never titled a message this title myself. And uh, you might be wondering, how could anyone ever say that a miracle is unnecessary? That there is a miracle, an account in the Bible that really was unnecessary for it to take place. Well, preacher, tell the woman with the issue of blood that her miracle was unnecessary. Well, preacher, uh, why, why don't you tell the one that was laying at the pool of Bethesda waiting for somebody to put him in when he got up and took up his bed and he began to run and leap and praise the Lord. Tell him his miracle is unnecessary. No, that's not what I'm here to do. Or maybe even a little bit closer to home, maybe you have experienced a miracle in your life and you're st- sitting back there today wondering, where's the preacher going with this message today? Who is he to stand up here and tell me that miracles are unnecessary? And I'm here to tell you that not all miracles are unnecessary. I'm just talking about one. I'm just talking about one. Jesus has just finished feeding the masses with the fish and the loaves of bread, which is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. And when he's done giving the disciples, a, he's done feeding them, and he's wrapping things up with the multitude, he gives the disciples a command that they get into a ship and they set sail for Capernaum, which they do. Yes, Master, you speak it, we do it. That's just the way it works. When Jesus gives us a directive, we need to follow his directive. Now, I'm sure that they were they were um, maybe a, a, a little disheartened that he wasn't going to be right there with him, that he was setting them off uh, to go out ahead, but they understood. And I, I think it's interesting that God seems to be partial to boats when when he intends to keep something that he loves safe. And so he puts them into a boat. He puts them into a ship, and he sets them sailing out ahead of him. Go on, go forward. I'll catch up with you later. God takes a ship, and he puts his precious friends, his disciples, into this ship, into this boat, and sends them ahead. I'll give you some examples. When God wanted to save eight people from total destruction and start all over again, what did he tell Noah to build? He said, you build this ship, you build this boat, and I'm going to put you and your family and anybody else that's willing to get on it, but nobody else was, and I'm going to, I'm going to let the world start all over. He put his most valuable prized possession into a ship, and it was saved. What about the baby Moses? When all the babies were being killed, they construct a little weaved basket, and they put some tar inside of it and made it seaworthy so that they could lay that little baby Moses down in that little miniature boat, so to speak, and put him down in the bulrushes, and he was kept safe. I can even take you to the story where Paul, he's a prisoner, and they're taking him someplace, and he says, hey, we, we, 
better not sail. But the, the captain of the vessel said, no, we're, we're sailing. We're not listening to you. I'm the captain of this ship. He said, okay, you're the captain. You will do what you say. And they get out there, and, and they're beaten, and they're battered by the winds and the waves. And, and uh, at one point, there was a group of them said, we're getting off this ship. We're going we're gonna to try another way of getting to land. And Paul said, hold up, everybody. He said, wait just a second. He said, you either stay on the ship or you die. Everyone who stays with the ship shall be saved. That's what he said. Paul said, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. I know it may seem bad on the ship, but Paul looked at him and said, I assure you, I promise you that it is safer on the ship than to be without the ship. There's something about the ship that we need to understand and comprehend today. It's important that we understand that staying with the ship is the most important thing that we can do. And yet we, and me included, when I say we, I, I'm talking about all the messages that I've heard preached, uh, uh, and we applaud the impulsive Peter, the one who walks through the room mouth first. You know, Peter, who's always doing things for the right reasons he thinks, but it's the wrong way. He, he's the one that's impulsive. If he were in Walmart, he'd be loading his uh, shopping cart up with everything that's right there in the, in the aisle where you check out because he's just impulsive that way. We see where Peter walks on the water, and we preach about that, and I've preached about it. I, I've preached several sermons about it. I can find a, 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 a way to take that sermon and, and make it into an encouraging thing and, and preach about how he was the only one to step out in faith. Amen. I, I will concede that this is a notable miracle, Peter jumping ship, amen, and being the only one to walk on the water besides Jesus in all of recorded history. I don't know anybody that's walked on water. Do you, Brother Jones? Anybody here ever walked on water? I don't know anybody. I don't know any other account of anybody walking on water besides Jesus. The story of Jesus walking on the water is recorded in three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. But Matthew, curiously, for such a notable miracle, for such an amazing thing, for a one-time miracle that never happened before and as far as I know has never happened since, only one disciple, Matthew, tells the story about Peter walking on the water. The others tell the story about Jesus comes walking on the water and they were afraid and all, but Matthew is the only one that says, oh, by the way, Peter hops out of the ship and goes to Jesus and almost dies. I have to wonder why that might be. Oversight? Jealousy? I wish that had been me that got out and walked on the water. I ain't, I ain't going to tell anybody the story because I don't want Peter to look better and like he's got more faith than any of them. Maybe redundancy? Well, Matthew already wrote that, and so we're, not go we're just going to leave that out. No, I don't think it was any of that, any of those things. I really don't. I would submit to you this morning 
that in my mind, at least, a more likely scenario would be that they were upset with Peter for abandoning the ship and his brothers leaving them behind to toil and fight for their lives by themselves. The Bible says that Jesus constrained the disciples to get into the boat and to go to the other side. That word constrained is not synonymous with suggested. The word constrained, if you look it up a little bit, it's kind of like a a hurried up, hey, do this right now, immediately. Don't diddle-doddle around. Don't wait for anything. Don't don't run off to the bathroom someplace and spend uh, a few minutes there. I want you to get in the ship right now and head to the other side. He constrained them. It was a command that they were to follow, and there is even a suggestion that Jesus knew that a storm was brewing, and he sent them anyway. Now, they may have looked out and said, well, I guess he's trying to, you know, over in the east or the west or wherever the storm might have come from, it looks like there's some bad weather brewing up. Maybe he's sending us out ahead to beat the bad weather, but no, that's not what happened. I wonder if anybody else has ever felt like that. You're just doing what Jesus told you to do, but it seems like it sent you right into the middle of a storm. Lord, I'm following your directive. I'm doing what you commanded me to do. Why is this hurting? Why is this scary? Why does it feel like I just may die doing what you told me to do? And by the way, where are you? You sent me ahead by myself. Where are you? Listen to me this morning. He never promised that you'd never have storms. He just said, I'll be there with you when you go through them. I won't leave you, and I won't forsake you. Just because you can't see him doesn't mean that he's not there. Just because you don't sense his presence in your vessel doesn't mean that he's not nearby. Amen. Because the Bible lets us know that he was in earshot. They had a conversation with him, and it wasn't peaceful out there. No, the winds were rocking, and the the waves were rolling, and, and lightning was flashing, and thunder was going, and all these things were taking place, and yet Jesus was close enough to them for them to have a conversation with him. They weren't as alone as they thought they were, and neither are you. And this is where things get interesting, because we're about to see the one time in all of history that someone besides Jesus walks on water. Don't tell me that you've never wondered what that was like. Come on, I remember being a kid. We had uh, we had these things. I, I can't remember what they were called. I want to say like moon shoes or something like that. And I, everybody my age and older, you might remember these. They they had great big old things, and they were filled with air. And you walked around, and you kind of you kind of bounced like you were on the moon with them. You strapped them to your feet. Anybody remember that? Anybody else break an ankle with those? Sure. Yeah, as long as we were having fun, it didn't matter if it was dangerous back in the 70s and 80s. The more dangerous it was, the, the more fun it was. If 
you couldn't bust your head open on a toy or choke on something, it wasn't a good toy. I mean, that's just the way it was back then. <clears throat> Survival of the fittest. We had those moon shoes, and, <laughs> and we had water. And I was just adventurous enough and unintelligent enough to see if I could walk on water. Well, these things are full of air. I bet you they'd float. I was probably about 70 pounds soaking wet back in the, you know, 1972, whatever it was, 1974, somewhere in there. And I strapped those things onto my feet, and I walked down to the water behind our house, and I stepped on in, and I did not walk on water, folks. I'll just put it that way. Mama had some laundry to do. That worked out about as good as the homemade uh, hang glider that I made out of a broomstick and cardboard. That didn't work either. We didn't only have water behind our house. We had a hill. So I had all kinds of ways to, to, to kill myself. Took a broomstick and a piece of cardboard and run a couple holes. And I took off running. Right. I sank just as quick in the air as what I did in the water. It didn't work. But I can imagine, you know, those are two things that I think we all kind of wish we could do. Fly and walk on water. Wouldn't that be cool if I could just walk on water? Hear me out this morning. The miracle that Peter had that day put him in a class all of his own. He was the only one ever to walk on water besides Jesus. But I would submit to you that it was a miracle that never should have happened. Let me ask you this. Who was it that commanded the disciples to get into the ship in the first place? Jesus, right? And I don't read anywhere in the Word of God where he says, hey, fellas, I see a storm coming over there, and if at any point you feel unsafe in the ship, you have my permission to go ahead and bail out. Grab yourself a life preserver and try to make it to shore. No, he doesn't say that. Fellas, I, I know that, that if things get a little too rough for you, a little too scary for you, it's okay. Try to make it your own way to the other side, and I'll meet you over there. Abandon the ship. No, he doesn't ever say that. He simply told them to get in the ship and go to the other side, plain and simple. They didn't know what was going to happen on their journey. They didn't know that they were going to be pounded by the winds and the wave. He didn't ever tell them, hey, if things get rough out there, you've got my permission to bail. No, his message never changed. The command stayed the same even when the circumstances had changed from what they were in the beginning. Somebody needs to hear me right now. Amen. Your circumstances will change. There will be times when you'll wake up and you'll wonder where God is at. And you'll wonder why God told you to do the things that he told you to do. And you'll wonder if he's even in the ship with you. Let's just because your circumstance in your life changes does not mean that the message and the directive have changed. Stay on the ship. Don't abandon the ship. 
Stay in the church. Don't walk away from God. Don't backslide. Amen. But keep living for God no matter what storm and circumstance you find yourself in. And the ship. Paul had it right. Anybody that tries to get to the other shore by any other means will not be saved. He said, you tell them, stay on the ship. Stay with the ship. The ship even got busted up and broken up. Grab a piece of the ship, whatever you can get your hands on. You just, you know what? You don't need the entire ship to get you to the other side. You stay, you, you just grab onto whatever you can grab a hold of, of the ship. And sometimes you, you, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to stay afloat. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you got to reach out and just grab whatever you can. But the promises of God are yea and amen. You stay on the ship and you're going to be saved. You stay with the ship. Don't you abandon the ship. Don't try to get to the other shore any other way. The same that comes to, any, to heaven any other way is the same as a thief and a robber. There's only one message, one way. Doesn't matter what the circumstances of your life are today. They might be good, they might be bad, but the directive has been given and the directive has not changed. And the directive is get on the ship and go to the other side. Why didn't Peter believe Jesus? When he spoke to them, said, Is I be a good cheer? And basically, in our modern terminology, he said, Hey, it's me, Doug. It's all right. It's okay. Don't worry. We're okay. Jesus says, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Stop worrying. I'm right here. I'm not as far away from you as you think I am. But Peter and his impulsive personality, he acts and speaks before thinking about the consequences. You know, this is the same guy that later on lops off the ear of Malchus, <laughs> thinking, I'm protecting my Savior, my Lord. Whack! They're not crucifying him. And Jesus said, Peter, hold up. Here you go again. Stepping out into something that you don't have any understanding of. And he chastises Peter while he's picking up the ear and putting it back on the head of Malchus. Don't do that, Peter. You're jumping out ahead of God's plan again. Don't you know that this is the plan that I must follow? Everybody else is, I'm sure, relieved. Oh, it's not a spirit. That's Jesus. We're all right now. Peter says, hey, if that's you, bid me to come out to you. If that's really you, everybody else is, is satisfied. Oh, I, I see his, I, I see his uh, shadow. I, I can tell that's Jesus. I hear the sound of his voice. We're going to be okay. But Peter says, if that's you, Lord, bid me to come. Basically, he was saying, prove it. That's really you. Prove it.
And with that statement, he literally gives Jesus no choice but to allow him to climb out of the ship. I don't believe it was God's uh, will for Peter to get out of the ship and walk on the water out to where Jesus was at. But he backed Jesus into a corner. If that's really you, well, what's, what can he say? It's me. If you want to open your mouth, Peter, and step out here, I, I can see it now. In my mind's eye, Jesus is rolling his eyes saying, come, here he goes again. This is unnecessary, Peter. Just stay put. I didn't tell you to come out here, but you put me in a corner, and now I have to allow you to get out of the boat. It is never God's will for you to jump ship. I don't care if somebody offends you. I don't care if your pastor goes off and does something crazy. That is never an excuse for us to walk away from God. There is going to be no excuse great enough when we're standing before the king of kings and we hear him say, depart from me. Our excuses are going to pale. Amen. Nothing is going to cause me to jump ship. So Peter hears him and jumps over the side of the ship, leaving not only the ship that he was commanded to be in behind, but his brothers who are toiling and fighting for their lives. The storm's still raging. Here Peter is like, adios amigos, I'll see you later. I'm heading out to where Jesus is at, and him and I, we're going to be all right, because wherever he's at. But Jesus wasn't headed to the other side. Jesus was, you know, let, me, let, me, let me not get ahead of myself. He abandons the rest of the disciples to save his own skin. Let's just put it that way. Which gives me reason to believe that even though it was a miracle that only one human had ever experienced, Matthew was the only one who recorded it while the others left it out as if it never happened. Quite possibly because they were still just a little bit ticked off at Peter for trying to save himself and leave them behind. You got a job to do here, buddy. You were never told to get off the ship. We were told to stay with the ship. Peter, don't go. Peter's already backed himself into a corner. Boy, our mouth can get us into trouble sometimes, can it? My dad used to tell me when he was still alive, he said, son, don't ever say anything. Don't ever back yourself into a corner that you can't get out of. Be careful with what you say. Be careful with the words that you use. Don't back yourself into a corner with the words that you say that you, you have a tough time getting out of. But Peter was doing it all the time. He said, if, you, if that's you, bid me to come. Well, what could Jesus do? So he says, come. I don't believe it, it was an approval for him leaving the ship. I don't think that's what it was at all. But if you want out, if you want to jump ship, Jesus will never make you stay. There's one thing COVID has taught me. I'm going to say this, and I may take some heat for this. There's one thing that COVID has taught me is the faithful will remain faithful no matter what, and the unfaithful have finally found their excuse to drift off into oblivion and do whatever they want to do.
You know the story. Peter takes a few steps. Hey, look, fellas. They're like, this is just my story, okay? This is not the, the actual biblical account. This is my story. I don't think that even in the the living Bible it, it says or the message. There's no version out there but mine. Mine can somewhat sometimes be a little bent towards my view. He's walking on the water and he's headed towards Jesus, but all of a sudden his focus is pulled away from his master. See, the waves didn't stop. And the lightning kept flashing, and the thunder kept rolling. The storm did not cease just because he was having his miracle moment. And he got out there, and he looked around and saw everything that was going on, and he lost focus. That's what happens. There's no excuse good enough to leave the ship. You may think, hey, I'm going out here where there's a miracle out here. I'm going out here where I can see some things happen. I've got a different way. I've got a better way. Let me tell you something. The storm is still going to slap you right upside the face. There's still going to be winds and waves that just try to bowl you over. There's going to be things that cause you to lose focus if you leave the ship. You stay in the ship. Don't get out there because you will most certainly drown in the storm. And if it had not been for Jesus, he would have died in those waters in the Sea of Galilee. But the Bible says immediately Jesus reached down and grabs him. He pulls him back up. Peter's like, this is a mistake. Oops. Thank God for the compassion and the mercies of our Savior that are he's still willing to reach down and save us even when we make a mistake. But notice this. He doesn't put his arm around Peter and say, oh, great faith. I wish the other 11 could be just like you, Peter. Let's walk to shore together. And we'll let the rest of them just toil in the ship. We'll let the rest of them wonder if they're going to make it. We'll let the rest of them work and, and, and try to struggle and try to survive and wonder if they're going to live or if they're going to die while you and I walk on the water to the shore. No, he doesn't do that. He grabs Peter and he takes him where? Right back to the ship. Come on, dummy. We're going back, and I'm putting you right back on the ship where you belong. Let me tell you something. The church is the most important institution in this world. There's going to be all types of things that try to drag you out and cause you to jump over the edge and cause you to try to walk on water by yourself. But don't you listen to any of it. Stay in the ship. The message has not changed. It's still the same. Peter, Paul said, hey, even though an angel or any other uh, being would come to you and try to tell you any other gospel, by the way, which there is no other gospel, he said, let him be accursed. Don't you let anything coerce you into jumping ship, even a miracle. Bible says that 
our enemy can transform himself into an angel of light. And for those that get a little bit caught up in the mysticism and the supernatural, they'll make it look really good to just, ain't much going on in the ship. This is hard being in the ship. This is, this is a lot of work. I want to go over here where all the miracles. Show me the gold dust falling out of the ceiling. They'll chase after a sign. Jesus said, hey, you look for a sign. You're wicked. Stay with the message. Stay with the church. Stay in the ship. He reaches down and grabs a hold of Peter. And he walks right back to the ship. I thought I knew a better way. Stay in the ship. I thought I saw an easier route, stay in the ship. I was mesmerized by the supernatural, and I thought I saw a new alternative. I wanted something that was more relative for my day, the day and hour in which I live. No, no, no. You stay with the good old gospel ship. You stay in the word of God. Don't deviate from it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to bend it. Stay in the ship because it's only the ones who stay in the ship that reached the other shore. We wrap this up as our music comes today. Jesus takes Peter right back to the place that he instructed him to be in the first place. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save those that are lost. I don't want anybody to perish. You know, the ark wasn't just built for eight. The ark wasn't just built for Noah and his family, but that's the only ones that decided willingly to get on the ship. The door was open. For more than a hundred years, the word was preached. The warnings were laid out about something the world had never experienced. I'm here to try to tell you today that there is such a thing as the rapture of the church that's going to take place. That's never happened before. No, you're right. It's never happened before. But just because it's never happened before doesn't mean that it's not going to happen one day. He's going to call his bride home. Even though in one of the other places in John chapter 6, it tells the account of Jesus walking on the water, but it leaves out where Peter jumped out of the boat. John leaves that part out. He doesn't tell the story of Peter walking on the water. He just tells the story of Jesus coming and getting in the ship. It, it does tell us that as soon as Jesus entered into the ship that the storm calmed, the wind ceased. But there's another miracle that they all experienced together. The real miracle that I've never heard anyone preach on. I want you to hear this this morning. I'm, I'm wrapping up. Give me four or five minutes here. Never heard anybody talk about that where John records that the winds calmed and immediately they were at the other shore. Because if you read in the different accounts, it tells you how far out into the sea they were. They were about three and a half miles out. 
But if you look up how wide the Sea of Galilee is, it's approximately eight miles wide. They weren't even halfway across. They were basically out almost to the middle. Three and a half miles out. Totally helpless on their own. But trusting that they were following the will of their master. Three and a half miles out, and Jesus comes walking to them. They're less than halfway to the other side. Jesus doesn't say this. It's not recorded that he says this, but I think he looked at them and said, you've toiled enough. You've suffered the storm enough. You've been fearful. You've wondered if you were going to make it, but, but you, you passed the test. You obeyed me. You stayed with the ship, all except for this Yehu Peter decided he was going to jump, jump ship. But we, we did our what we do. We reach down to the hurting, and we reach down to those that make mistakes and make bad decisions, and they jump ship. We reach down to them, and we extend to them the hand of mercy. We'll bring them back into the ship. So I believe Jesus said, you've stayed in the ship. For that, I'm going to reward you. No more rowing. No more battling the storm. The wind calmed, and the word of God says immediately they went from being less than halfway to all the way there. Whew. Anybody ever heard anybody preach on that? I haven't. Just like that, everything changed. In a moment, immediately, they went from fearing for their lives but doing what they were told to do to being safe on the other shore where Jesus had directed them to go. As we leave 2021, which has been a very interesting year, we step out into the upcoming year of 2022. I can't say that we won't face difficult times. I can't say that we won't have our battles and hardships and our storms that we are going to have to try to make it through. But I can tell you this. The answer's not out there. The answer's in here. The answer's not in a new philosophy or a new government or new governmental plan. The answer's not in your checkbook. The answer's not found in, a, in, in uh, some kind of medicine or bottle down off the shelf at, at the local liquor store. It's not found in a drug. It's not found in, in a CBD store. It's not found in any of those things. The answer to getting to the other side is staying on the ship. Would you stand with me today? Don't let anything persuade you to jump ship. I love what Paul said. He's at the end of his life. He's probably suffered as much as any other human being ever suffered with all the things that he went through. Matter of fact, he rattles off a pretty good list that it ain't, facing any one of those things would have probably been enough to make me my head hair curl. And yet at the end of it all, he says, I fought a good fight. 
finished my course. I paraphrase now. He said, I've stayed in the ship. And that's why neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or powers or things present or things that are out there in the future I don't care how big it is. I don't care how deep my problems go. I don't care if it's a, a, a creature. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Basically, he said, there ain't nothing that's going to cause me to jump ship. You can't hurt my feelings enough to make me get out of this thing. You can't say the wrong thing. You can't sing the wrong song. You can't, you can't do anything. You can't lie on me and make me backslide. No, I've decided that there is no creature. There is no amount of money. There is nothing that can cause me to jump out of this ship because anything other than this ship is going to leave me to drown out in the middle of the sea. And my intention is to make it to the other side. Does anybody want to go to heaven? Yeah. I'm telling you, the road today to heaven may not be easy. You may have some hills to climb. You may have some valleys that you have to go through. You may have some sickness. You may deal with loss. You may have to put up with tragedy. You may be heartbroken. You may deal with all those things. But can you listen to me right now? There is nothing that is worth you jumping out of the church. Stay serving God. Stay serving the king. Stay in the church. Don't jump ship, but stay serving the king of kings. The best advice I can give you, don't walk away from God. Don't leave. Dig your heels in, set your shoulders back, and stay the course. Because the real miracle happens when Jesus steps into the ship. It's coming. There will be a time, a moment in history where he says, the countdown is on. It's not a matter of days, hours, years. It's a matter of seconds. Gabriel, put the trumpet to your lips. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, he's going to return. He's going to come back and set foot on our ship. And everything is going to immediately change. And we shall be on the other shore. Don't give up now. Don't give up just because you're struggling. Don't give up just because it's hard. No, stay in the ship. I wonder today, as we close out this year, we have one Wednesday night Bible study, but this is our final Sunday service. I wonder today... If there are those in this place that would just make your way up, if you're comfortable, make your way up, lift your hands into the air, and recommit to God what your intention and what your purpose is. I don't want to be a Peter. I don't want to follow after some miracle. I don't want to try to back you into a corner, God, with some kind of verbal uh, advantage that I may think that I have. I, I want to stay on the ship. I, I just want to do what you want me to do, God. Whatever it takes to make it to the other side, God, keep me in the ship. Keep me serving you. Because I'm telling you, offense will come. The Word of God says it will. Offense will come. You cannot escape it. But don't let offense cause you to leave the ship. It's the best advice you're going to get all year. The last time I'm going to get to say it in this year.
God, I want us to walk into 2022 with a purpose and a vision and a mindset that we're going to stay the course. Would you come this morning as they sing this song? Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.